If you've been thinking about creating an online course, but you're not sure about the engaging activities or even what activities might be available to you to include in your online course, stick around because in this episode of Create Market and Sell Your Online Course, we're talking about the types of activities that you could be including in your online course. And I'm gonna give you a little bit of an introduction to how to know which activity is right for which outcome that you are designing in your online course. We're gonna get a little bit technical, but it's super simple, I promise. Let's get to it. You're listening to the Create, Market, and Sell Your Online Course podcast. I'm your host, Heather DeVoe, and I help entrepreneurs just like you create, market, and sell your online course quickly, because who has time for slow? Each episode brings insights, advice, coaching, action items, and real-world experience from the course creation industry. If you're an entrepreneur thinking about creating an online course, this podcast is for you. And when you're ready, you can come and join our signature program, Create, Market, and Sell, your online course. You'll spend 30 days creating that course, 30 days developing a marketing plan, and 30 days building a sales strategy. Nobody does it faster. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 110 of Create, Market, and Sell, your online course. My name is Heather DeVoe, and I am excited to be here today. I'm actually treating myself to a little bit of a reprieve today. I have been going all day, creating content, working with the team, making plans for the future, revising an edition of Create, Market, and Sell Your Online Course, the program. We're getting ready to make some changes to that program. And you don't need to worry about any of that. None of that changes how you engage with the program. It just is time to update some pieces of it. We had some people go through it recently and we noticed that some of the videos have changed based on things that have happened with some of the software that we teach. And so we're changing some of that. We're changing the way the program is delivered and we are moving to cohorts. More on that later, but I am excited by all of the change and I'm excited by all of the possibility. And interestingly enough, we just started creating our first online course as a team. And we are sitting down trying to figure out basically how to work together. And what's really interesting is I know how to do this stuff like the back of my hand. And I have every confidence that my team will learn how to build online courses with me, but we're in the beginning stages. And a really interesting conversation came up today about what tools and skill sets and toolbox items and resources and lists basically are available to them as curriculum developers and how do they work with me and how do they know when they should pull a tool out of the toolbox and use it. And we were talking specifically about learning activities and something really interesting happened. We were talking about whether or not we needed as a team to have a checklist of sorts of the possible activities. And my project manager, Matt, had suggested that he could create this list. And I was sitting there listening to him talk about what this list could look like. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, wait. No, I have one of these. <laughs> I ha- I created one in 2013. <laughs> so, of course, a lot of things have changed on the internet since 2013, but it was very interesting to me because all of a sudden my squirrel brain was like, I have to go, I have to get off this call, I have to go and find this document. 
And so I'm sitting here at my desk at home and this conversation was happening at the office earlier today. So I packed up all my shit and I went home, got a coffee, sat at my desk and pulled this book off the shelf. And this is a book that I wrote literally back in 2013 and it's called The Ultimate Instructor's Guide. And it's so funny because this is basically how to create an online course in writing. And I was saying to the team, you know, it's really funny when you create one piece of content and years later, that piece of content is still relative. What's really interesting is I cannot find the digital file for this document. I only have a hard copy, like a physical copy that I had submitted to a self-publishing agency and they sent me back a book. And so I have this book and there are several copies of it in the world. I had several people buy the book from me. And I think I was selling it for something like $14.99. Anyway, it's a really great workbook. And one of the things we're doing with Create Market and Sell Your Online Course this summer is we're going to be running a cohort starting on July 6th. And a lot of the details about that are going to be coming out in May and June. But I just want to give you a heads up that we are running a cohort. And one of the things we're doing with the cohort is we're going to be delivering workbooks through the mail. So right now the program has downloadable PDF workbooks and we're actually gonna be including a hard copy workbook with the orientation package that we send out prior to the cohort getting started. And I was looking at this book and I was saying to the team, you know, this is such a great example of what those workbooks could look like. And I created this myself and I designed it and it, it's pretty simple, but what's great about it is, is it's a teaching tool. And so I'm sitting here with it and I'm going through it and you can't find it on the internet anymore. It's actually not available for sale, although it was at one time. And so I didn't have a hard copy or rather a soft copy, like a PDF to send to my team. So I started taking photographs of what was in it and I texted it to them. And it was so interesting because there is an actual list in here of the kinds of activities that you could include in your course. Now, I have to caveat this by saying that this was created with college instructors in mind. So it's very client facing. And what that means is it's designed for people who teach, you know, sort of hand to hand or in person or at the front of a classroom, like a college instructor, but it's all based on adult learning principles. And it's all based on instructional design principles. And I had all these sort of ready-made resources available. What's also interesting is I have used this template, this book that I wrote in 2013, and I've sold it several times to several clients over the years. And you know that I've been creating courses since forever, but I've actually sold versions of this book as a course. One of them was to a client of mine in the States when we created a Train the Trainer program. And I based the Train the Trainer program for first aid instructors on this book that I wrote in 2013. And then I actually created another Train the Trainer program for entrepreneurs in Egypt. And I sold them a version of this book. I turned it into an online course and I sold it to them. And that is actually still available on their website. I just went and checked and that is pretty cool. So this content is very evergreen in terms of you need an answer to a question and the answer really hasn't changed that much in terms of grounding. It changes in delivery, of course, because now we're talking about online courses, but it was really cool for me to pick this up off my shelf and number one, see that I still had a hard copy of it. 
And number two, that it was still so relevant in actually what is going on with my team right now. And so I wanted to kind of go through this with you and talk a little bit about what some of the activities are available for you as you create your online course. And at the same time, I don't want to overwhelm you with choice. There's about 30 on this list and you might be thinking, well, checklist, PDF, download, video, but there's actually way, way, way more to it than that. And so I just want to give you a high level overview of these and talk you through some of these learning materials, these learning activities, and, you know, just kind of celebrate the fact that when you create something really meaningful, it sticks around and it remains relevant. Side note, the other thing that I realized today was that I had logged back into my self-publishing platform. I use a platform called Lulu, L-U-L-U.com. Lots of people use Amazon or uh, other sort of vanity publishing, it's called, but it's self-publishing. And other people use other platforms, but I've always used Lulu because they actually filter out to Amazon and I find it much easier to use than Amazon. So if you are actually self-publishing, I would recommend Lulu, although there are lots of other ones out there. I'm just familiar with Lulu. But anyway, I'm in my Lulu account. And of course, I have to reset my password because I haven't logged in in forever. And I had made the mistake of thinking that all the books that I had written over the years were offline now. So I've actually written five books, six including this document, this uh, instructor's guide, seven including a portfolio book that I wrote back in 2008, I think. <laughs> I'm literally scratching my head. You can't see me, but I'm scratching my head. I also have that book on the shelf. And that was about how to develop a portfolio back before people were putting all their shit online. So now our portfolios are like LinkedIn. But when people were creating hard copy, you know, here's all my certificates, here's all my skills, here's all my testing and training. When you create a portfolio, uh, there needed to be a, a system for that, like a template. And so I actually wrote a book about how to create a portfolio for professional development. All these books are still available on Lulu. And I thought that was hilarious. And they're all branded throughout the years. They're all totally different colors. They all have really different fonts. And I love that because it, it does tell the story of my business development and how my brain has changed and how my self-development has changed, and my professional development has changed. And so I actually do have all of the soft copies of those books. And one of the things that I had been working on behind the scenes is another book uh, which is called Educate Your Audience, and I am nowhere near finishing it. Originally, my plan was to finish it in January, have it ready to go in January. Uh, when I decided to hire people and onboard people into the company, all of that went to the wayside, and then we started taking on projects, and now here we are in May, and I have not written a single word of that book in months, actually. I think I did a little bit of it over the March break, but not too much to put a dent in it. So it that will actually be my eighth book, and I've said to people over the years, oh, no, I've written five or six, but it's actually, this will be my eighth. And so one of the things that I am aspiring to accomplish this year is to update those books and get them out so that people can be buying the current versions of them. Um, and it's funny to go back and read some of that stuff because you're like, oh my God, that was terrible advice. But it's a moment in time, you know, some books are just... It's so interesting when you read a book that was written like in 2012 and it doesn't apply anymore, but a lot of business advice does. And so my it kind of warms my heart a little bit to see that this book I wrote about instructional design, about developing content for a classroom is still relevant. 
So that's my little side note rant, but let's get into this now because I think this is going to be really fun. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm actually just counting it here. Nine, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, we're going to do about 15 of them. Um, what's interesting about this book as well is that there's a checklist for sizing up material and sizing up activities. And I thought that that was, was really cool um, because I hadn't thought about how I do that until recently when I was trying to describe to my team, how do we decide on whether or not it's going to be a video or how do we decide on whether or not something's going to be static copy or whether it is going to be an activity and then what kind of activity is it going to be? So the first thing that we're looking at here is a survey and a survey is an activity. It's typically an activity done prior to learning and then at different intervals at when milestones have been reached, you offer a client or a student to survey. And they're typically used to capture information in the moment. Very engaging, very telling. And depending on whether you do multiple choice or whether you do full, you know, free form writing, you can get a variety of different information from your client, a variety of different data from your client. I have here articles, uh, reading articles, and that's sort of at the top of the list because it's boring. <laughs> Quite frankly, I try to steer people away from reading as much as possible. Audio files. I actually have here, this is how old this is, MP3 or CD, it says on this list. And so, of course, now we're talking about uh, MP3 online podcasts. Uh, in my program, Create Market and Sell Your Online Course, I actually have a Train the Trainer program it, it's a bonus that is included. It's more like module six. You know, you get through all the, the big pieces of the, the course. You build the course. You build your marketing strategy. You build your sales strategy. You learn how to update and maintain your program. And then I also offer you a train the trainer package that I'm now wondering how much of that is actually based on this book. I should go back and listen to that podcast. But it's actually a podcast I released publicly. You can go and listen to it on this podcast. But there's an exclusive exclusive rather version of it in the program, Create Market and Sell Your Online Course, that is audio. So it's audio learning. It's designed to be listened on the go. And there's an accompanying workbook with it to help you go through that program to learn more about exactly this kind of stuff, which is really neat. Uh, we have storytelling, which is always really fun. Sometimes we forget the power of story, even though we hear about a lot about it in the marketing world. We don't often think about it in terms of being educational, but that is exactly why we tell stories is to educate one another. There are short answer questions and short answer questions are typically to assess knowledge. Your program is most likely not going to have short answer questions in it. Some of the programs that I create for my clients who run programming for other entrepreneurs or organizations or corporate workplaces, they will have short answer questions associated with the courses that we're creating for them because they need to have a way to measure the knowledge. And that is a really old way of thinking about workplace learning, but it is still alive and well in the workplace. And whenever I can, I deter people from using it, but sometimes they require it. So that is also available to you. Videos and clips, short clips is another option. One of the things I'll say about video is whenever, ever, 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 ever possible, you use your own proprietary video. And what that means is you don't go to YouTube and take someone else's video and include it in your online course. Even if you're saying the same thing, or even if you think they say it better, it should always be your content because you 
don't run the risk of getting in trouble for using someone else's content. If you are using someone else's content, then there's a series of steps that we take together. I can walk you through that to make sure that you're giving credit where credit is due or that you're not overstepping your boundaries in that way because intellectual property is very important to protect and that is something that I also teach you how to do is to make sure you're creating a course that is 100% your own and not just piggybacking on other people's work. Uh, when we talk about short answer questions, some of the things that you might have available to you as well is something called manipulatives, which sounds terrible, but it's actually like object manipulation, or you're asking someone to engage in something and change it. So for example, this morning I was working with my curriculum developer, Adam, and I was showing him how I create an outline from scratch. And we were using an existing outline and we were manipulating it. We were using the object of the course outline and adapting it and changing it to meet the needs that we have right now. And so that's a manipulative. It's a tool that you can change and alter to fit your needs. There are charts. Obviously, you can have people create charts or read charts or extrapolate data from charts. Using tables or lists, you can do the same thing. There are diagrams, obviously. Anytime you can show somebody something, I prefer to show somebody something than have them read something. That's just me. My people tend to be very hands-on. Entrepreneurs are very tactile. They want to see and do. And so that's why I lend sort of in that direction. But you have lots of options in terms of charts, uh, visuals, diagrams, that kind of stuff. Now, when you're talking about certification, something really interesting has come up lately amongst our team when we were talking about certification. And we were chatting with a few people about getting certified in a specific realm. So we were looking at taking a program that would sort of certify us in this technique of doing something in business. And I was getting very frustrated with the process because I realized when you have certification, if you are not a certifying body or a governing body or an authority or an association or a network or anything that sort of dubs you worthy, then you're just another entrepreneur saying you could teach somebody something. And so I'll use my program as the example. So I'm a certified adult educator. I am someone who went to university. I have a master's degree in instructional design, adult education. I focus on self-improvement, coaching, professional development, all that great stuff. But I actually have a degree to back that up. That's not saying that you need a degree, but I'm using this as the example. So my university education means that I am certified to do this work. If I did not have that certification, it does not mean that I still can't do this work, but I'm really not in a position to be sort of knighting others at the same time. So somebody asked me once, how come I don't have a course creation certificate? And I was like, well, because I'm not a certifying body. I have a certification, but I am not in a position to start certifying other people. I'm not a governing body. I'm not an association. I'm not a network. I'm not a firm. I am a solopreneur selling a product that just so happens to be skill-based. But in the digital space, we don't tend to stop and think about certification. And there are a lot of people in the marketing industry in 
in particular that will say, hey, come and work with me and I will certify you in this way of doing things. But what you have to be careful of, and I'm going to be very careful about this because I don't want to shit on anybody. And I actually do take a lot of these certifications. But what I want you to know is that those certifications are not recognized by anyone. They're simply entrepreneurs with a lot of skill and a lot of knowledge and perhaps even a lot of education who are training you in a method they created. That is not a real certification. The other thing you'll hear people say is they'll say, I will license this to you. So you go and you take their program and you pay their, the money to them and then they give you permission to use their materials. Keeping in mind that they're still just entrepreneurs who have a system that they've learned to monetize in a very specific way. They're not governing bodies. They're not authority. They're not author, you know, associations. They're not networks, anything like that. They are people who have systems and frameworks just like mine. And if I was playing that game, I could say to you, hey, I will certify you a course creator. And like, that sounds super fancy. And maybe I will someday, but that's just not how I'm approaching this right now. So I want you to understand when you go and you take those certifications, they may ask you to take a test or they may ask you to complete something that will show you are performing at the level that they expect. Practice tests then, or case studies, or informational readings, or interviews that you're doing under their brand may be required in order for you to quote, get that certification. But keep in mind that it is just a human being offering you a different way of doing something. They've branded it very well. They've told the story about it very well, but they're not actually a governing body. There are only a few types of organizations that can actually put their hand on your shoulder and say, you are certified. The life coaching industry is an excellent example of this. And I say this to you as I have a certification hanging on my wall. What that means is that I went and I took training to learn about life coaching and business coaching and executive coaching. The firm that quote certified me is just two guys who started a business who know there are people who want to learn about life coaching and business coaching and executive coaching. So I pay them money and they, in return, train me on what they know. And then I get a certificate at the end. But we have to be very careful about this when we're creating online courses because of the misnomer or the misdirection of the word certification. I had a client reach out to me this week. We were talking about the program that we're going to be creating together. This is the one I mentioned earlier. My team and I are developing. And this is the first time we're developing a course as a team from scratch. They came in as I was finishing other projects. And so we were talking about micro-credentials. And we were talking about what does it look like to have this organization sort of bless the work that we're doing for them. So they hire us to create these courses and they offer them as micro certifications through their organization. And I had to explain to my team that they have been recognized from a governing body, which if I had to guess would be some kind of university or association, professional association that looked at their content and said, your content meets our standards. 
we give it the seal of approval, which means that your organization can offer certification through us. We recognize the quality of your programming. We will allow you to offer certification. So what that means is that my client can go and take two, three, four, 20 of their courses. We create a learner's journey with them. And at the end of that journey, when you finish all those courses, you are quote certified. That is real certification, not an entrepreneur on their couch with their laptop saying, I can certify you in this format, or I can certify you this, this formula. They are two very different things. And so when we talk about some of these pieces here now, we're going to talk about practice tests, study questions, and multiple choice questions. I want you to know that there's usually only a very specific time when you would use those in creating courses, and they are mostly in ensuring that the person taking the course is meeting a standard. Most adults hate tests. If you've ever taken a first aid course and they've asked you to do a test at the end, you probably rolled your eyes pretty hard at that because that's a skills-based program. However, they actually certify you. They give you a certificate that is recognized by governing bodies, the Canadian Safety Association, the Canadian First Aid Council, all that kind of stuff. They say, hey, you have met the standard, therefore you have earned this certificate. And so you will run into programs like first aid, for example, that will ask you to do a test. They'll ask you to do a physical test, maybe, for example, assessing someone's airway. They'll ask you to do informational reading. They'll ask you to do multiple choice questions. They'll ask you to do study questions. And they'll actually have you do, you know, either a group or an individual test. And so when you're thinking about creating your online course, when you're thinking about the kinds of activities and engagement that you want, really, you need to be asking yourself, What is the desired outcome? The desired outcome for most of my clients is not certification, which means we don't need to be looking at short answer questions. We don't need to be looking at manipulatives. We don't need to be looking at practice tests or study questions. We need to be looking at the things that help them do more. This is demonstration, video, audio, or checklists or step-by-step instructions. Those tend to be the main ones that end up in the courses that I help my clients create. Now, do we do lots of other things? Yes, but generally you're looking at those five to six areas. You hit those five to six areas and you do it correctly, understanding that you don't create an activity just for the sake of creating an activity, but you're actually creating an activity so that your client or your student can do something they couldn't do before. When you approach it like that, you get a very engaging online course. And so I think that's really interesting. I think that's really cool to think about. And I want to just run through here with you a couple of questions that I have in this book that I wrote about choosing activities and choosing material. Sometimes I have clients who want to pull in external information for their online course and they have to have a way of measuring whether or not that is a good piece of information or how to measure your own subject matter expertise to know, is this a good piece of information? So here's a couple of questions for you to consider. Number one, how is the material structured or laid out? Is it readable? Does it make sense? Are the multimedia elements of good quality? Is the video you're showing 
can people see it well? Or is it grainy? Is the person tripping over their tongue? Do they know what they're talking about? Is the learning material or the activity designed with a goal-oriented focus? Now, remember, I wrote this in 2013. Goal-oriented, action-oriented. I'm still using those words. Does the learning material or the activity promote general or specific competencies? So this is a little bit down the rabbit hole of instructional design. But when you think about activity, you don't want to go general. You want to go specific. We tend to start with the general and then move to the specific. But I like to start with the simple and move to the complex so that it makes more sense to people. And there feels like there's a roadway there. There's a map to follow. Do the learning materials or the activity promote an inductive approach to learning? So an inductive approach to learning, that's a $10 instructional design word. I'm going to explain it to you in 10 seconds or less. It just means, are you asking them to look inward? Is it reflective? Does it cause them to look at their own life? Or is it allowing them to continue to look outside of themselves? That's very, very important for transformation. Are the materials or activities adaptable to the target audience? So is there more than one way to crack that egg? And can you come at it from a variety of perspectives? Is motivation considered? What position or state or capacity does this person have to have in order to do that activity properly? Is there active learning involved or is it passive? Two things are passive. Reading is passive unless there are questions very strategically placed throughout the reading and listening. So when you're listening to this podcast, I'm asking you questions. So I'm getting you engaged. We are activating your brain, not just telling you a bunch of shit and then asking you to go away and think about it. You should be thinking about it as you're listening to this podcast, sizing up what I'm saying. For example, micro credentials or certifications. You're now looking at if I've done my job correctly, and I think I have, you are now thinking about all the times you've taken a course or maybe a certification and you're asking yourself, hey, was that offered by a governing body or is that just some guy on a couch with a laptop saying he can bless me with what he knows? Because they're different. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's different. Does the learning material or the activity promote incremental learning? So you're not going all in all at once. And is there other references at play here? So if it's a YouTube video, for example, does it pull in information from life experience, learned experience, textbooks, audio files, podcasts, for example? Is it interview based? Is it customer market research based? What does that look like? So lots of things to think about here. I'm going to cut it off here now because there's actually like 30 more pages in this book that I could go through with you. But I think it's a really great place to stop and think about when you're creating a course. There is a lot that goes into it. But what I'm here to tell you is that it doesn't have to be overwhelming. When I wrote this book, I wrote it for college instructors who have never taught a day in their lives. They are field experts. And what that means is, let's say, for example, you are a veterinary assistant or you are a paralegal. You've done that for a long time. You want to go in to teach. You go and you work for a college in Canada anyway, and they pull you right off the street and stick you in a classroom and you don't know no better. And nobody's teaching you how to teach and no one talks to you about how to produce learning materials and how to size up your learning materials and how to create activities that engage and actually transform your students' lives. They just expect you to know how to transfer what's in your brain onto the page to get it out to the world. And really, it's so 
interesting and and it really warms my heart when I think about how I have come so far in this journey with recognizing even in a different demographic of college instructors that people just aren't fucking teaching this shit and I'm very good at teaching this shit and I understand all the moving pieces and the $10 words but I do all that work for you so you don't have to. And so my program, Create, Market, and Sell Your Online Course, is all of this and more baked in, super simple. We go from simple to complex. But really the magic of this program is that at no time do you feel like you can't do this. Because I've mapped it out for you. I've created a learner journey for you that walks you through step by step. You have to do A before you do B, and that's just how it is. So I do the thinking for you. You just have to show up, answer questions, do the work, and you have a course before you know it. I'm super excited about all of the things coming down the line for Create, Market, and Sell Your Online Course. There is no need to wait for the cohort to start in July. Rolling enrollment continues. If you want to get in on creating your online course right now, you can go to heatherdevoe.com, book a call. You can decide to start right now or we can put you on the list for July. That is up to you, my friend. Either way, we are here. We are rocking and rolling. It's going to be awesome to see your course in the world. I hope you will make the decision to start creating this soon. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode and you're all fired up to create that online course, come join us in Create, Market, and Sell Your Online Course. Our signature program helps you get your ideas out of your head and onto the page fast. We'll build your course with you in 30 days flat. Then you'll spend 30 days developing a marketing plan and you'll build a sales strategy because your business deserves to be in the world making that impact you want to make. An online course can help you do that, my friend, and we can help you create it. Go to heatherdevoe.com right now and sign up. I can't wait to see what you create in the world.